Welcome to Stay Engaged 2021. Everything you know and love about IAB Engage, but brought to you day by day. It's Engage, but offstage. Stay Engaged is hosted in partnership with Quantcast, creators of a new and innovative intelligent audience platform. In today's offstage session, Johnny Vulcan, founding partner of ad agency Anomaly, explores how the pandemic has accelerated behaviors. While a lot has been written about the topic, history suggests that the real acceleration happens after we emerge from major crisis and build back differently. There is lots of change ahead and, for the open-minded and curious, plenty of new things to experience and learn. Over to Johnny. Whatever is going to happen will only happen faster. It's not new news that the pandemic accelerated many new habits and behaviours, rewiring what we think about work, education, entertainment, commerce. To many of us, it introduced new brands like Zoom or Google Classroom. It revived shows like Shit's Creek. And maybe in this generation, we will see the end of cash. Many things have changed. There's no reason to think that the next year will be any different, though. As we bounce back, or as I prefer to think about it, bounce forward, the next chapter is likely to be as charged with change, challenge and opportunity as this last one has been. If you look back at history, most crises, whether they be plagues or wars, are followed by a huge surge in creativity and productivity. And I have no reason to doubt this will be the same. We're entering an area of great transformation. My eight-year-old daughter has started writing decks in Google Slides. School, we're using them for homework, but often things just to print out, give us kind of clues on what we should be doing for the day. And she's taught herself. She's been writing decks furiously. The main one has been what she'd like for her birthday. It's mainly doll stuff. She wants her ears pierced. It's not going to happen. She's only eight. She wants a pantsuit, which is kind of odd. It might be related to the fact there's a picture of me with Hillary Clinton in our home office. But there's also a big thing about puppies. In fact, there's an entire deck on puppies in general, controversial they may well have been, is what the family needs, she thinks. And so she's written an entire deck on it, including the word hypoallergenic, which I'm sure Google helped her spell. There's also a deck about every family member. Her brother likes Nintendo, Mario, Minecraft. My wife likes chocolate and I like electric cars. Fair enough. She's nailed us. But the important thing is that eight-year-olds are really good at transformation. She started lockdown in the final throes of being in infant school. And she emerges having finished the first year of primary school and handles Google Docs and Zoom better than the people that are paid to use them for a living. I think as adults, we are often resistant to change. But now is not that time for that bit of wiring to kick in for us. We have to embrace it and accept that things are only going to keep accelerating. It's easy to think when we talk about resistance to change, we're talking about legacy thinkers. You might think of traditional media, agencies, industries, but even modern concepts need to build themselves for adaptability. Facebook was slow to embrace mobile and had to search to catch up. One would argue they're now a mobile first business. Apple are still playing catch-up in voice assistants and home speakers. At an ad tech conference I attended a couple of weeks ago, I met several vendors that were less than 10 years old, but had still pivoted at least twice as to what they were actually offering. Sir Martin Sorrell also spoke, and his story and that of S4 is entirely about transformation. It shows what is possible when you remain open-minded, and that that open-mindedness doesn't have to diminish even after a 50-year career. And I think what they're doing is absolutely fascinating. 
We live in a time where we should not look to defend the past or maintain the status quo, but rather we should look ahead and stay open-minded. But transformation doesn't mean you have to embrace everything and lurch from trend to trend. A friend of mine, a global ECD, felt like he'd been lying for a decade, encouraging clients to jump from bandwagon to bandwagon. This year's hot new thing. Make a mobile game, use NFC, use a QR code, make a viral video. History is littered with failed viral videos, although I can't be 100% sure because we haven't seen them. In 2007, it was Second Life, and for one year, every conference I attended and many media articles focused on this virtual utopia. Loft and American Apparel were the first in, and probably the only brands that benefit from being in that environment. Later on, GM built a racetrack, Ogilvy flooded it, still not sure why. And we were guilty of building an office. We built an office next to PSFK, the trends blog, hoping to catch some passing traffic. And after a few weeks of understanding it, realized it really wasn't right for most of our clients. One of our major clients, famous soda brand, I can let you guess, thought they should be in that space. We suggested they didn't need to be. They were pushing and this client was very keen that they were there in some form. So we said, we have a solution for you. So we built a small vending machine in the corner of our office, took a screen grab, sent it to our client, and they sent it round to all their bosses and the job was done. They were in Second Life. And in fact, for the effort it took, one afternoon, it was probably worth it. And whilst it was a waste of budget for some people, I don't think it was a waste of time. It was just maybe a little too early. A couple of years later, saw the launch of Minecraft that solved many of the technical problems that Second Life had mainly the fact that you could only render about 10 people at a time anywhere. But also these games gave us clues for the future. Clues that can be found in another of the great breakout conversations of lockdown, which was gaming in general. Hits like Animal Crossing brought an older generation back to gaming and introduced a younger generation to the ideas of world building and its economics. Elijah Woods, AOC and Nil Nas X could be found in Animal Crossing trading fruit and visiting each other's islands. But let's not think about Animal Crossing. I want you to think about Roblox. Roblox is fascinating, and I have to credit again my eight-year-old children for this. It's kind of like Second Life meets Minecraft meets something else altogether. You can play games, build games, buy games, trade, steal, bargain. It's all happening, and most of the inhabitants are under 15 years of age. But the behaviours they are learning will become the behaviours of modern commerce and interaction. And that's where the clues lie for all of us in terms of how the norms and standards for how we evolve and how we communicate and how we transact will happen. Several people have been playing within Roblox. Most notably, a few weeks ago, Gucci sold a bag for £4,000, a virtual bag in Roblox for £4,000. That's more than the price of its real-world counterpart. We might think that's ridiculous, but we're all guilty of the same thing. It's the idea of self-expression and what is it worth to you. We might think it's worth paying extra for Pharaoh and Ball paint over Dulux paint, even if the Pantone colour is exactly the same. We will pay a premium. A pair of Yeezys may be worth £300 to you, even if they only cost a tenth of that to make. The same rules apply virtually. Virtual expression is as real to young people today as physical expression might be to us. Virtual value is a very confusing concept, and things like cryptocurrency and NFTs, non-fungible tokens, have maybe made it more confusing. But for kids, they don't have any of these issues. They embrace it 
without question. My kids frequently want Robux instead of real cash for pocket money, and who knows where it's going, but they seem to be having a good time. As marketers, we need to quickly decide whether we do more stunts in these environments or we actually take it seriously and see how it can actually add value in our businesses and to our customers. Instead of building a pop-up store that's there for two weeks in Roblox, who's going to build the first proper retail brand in that environment and actually see those consumers as real long-term consumers that might span the physical world and the virtual worlds? Our businesses are transforming. With cryptocurrency, this is a very live debate. If you look away from the headlines around Bitcoin and Dogecoin, people are using currencies like Ether to settle quite mundane transactions at huge scale to the tune of trillions of dollars. Enough banks want a version of this to happen, so at some point we will have mainstream cryptocurrency, stable versions to sit alongside the speculative assets that suck all the headlines today. We also may be aghast that a digital image of an artwork that all of us can still enjoy online in the same resolution sold for a staggering $69 million. But once again, look past the headline. NFTs are basically a way to authenticate something, to say that this is an original and it therefore has some values and attributes. The same way that putting a value on the Mona Lisa is a slightly abstract concept. It's just paint on canvas. Disney recently patented some ideas around NFCs. It's unclear exactly what they're going to use them for, but here's an example I was thinking of. You could buy a digital version of Mickey Mouse. Your version can play online games, accrue points, unlock things, acquire costumes. And then a couple of years later, you can sell or give that digital Mickey Mouse to a younger cousin and all that data, all that value and wealth of that object goes with it. It's a unique digital object that has as much history as if you'd have handed them a much-loved soft toy version of the same character. The same things go with it. And that's maybe the way to think about these new technologies. They're just a way of creating uniqueness in a virtual world. This blurring of digital and physical experience is something we've worked on with Disney in the past as one of our first transformation projects. On their first generation of the Magic Band, Our job is to help them imagine the boundaries and rules for how data could be used and played with. And this covers not only technical issues, but ethical issues. The Magic Band was using a relatively early version of NFC. In some ways, a lot of these technologies have been replaced by Apple Watches, iPhones, Android devices. But at the time they were developing this technology, NFC was being used in the Magic Band to help understand where people were in the parks. Were the restaurants too busy? Were the lines too long? Where could you solve people's problems? But as well as handling the infrastructure of running a park, it could also be used to create magical experiences. But this created its own problems. For example, is it okay for a character to know your child's name? I know from your magic band that you might be called Steve. And if Cinderella knows that you're called Steve, but you're eight years old, is that a problem? We decided it probably was. We decided there probably was a boundary at which data and information was going to start feeling inappropriate for parents and for children, and you had to hold back. So we're entering a whole world where communications and social etiquette are going to be challenged by technology, and we have to navigate that. But let's get back to virtual characters, the thing that kids are very comfortable with and are playing with continuously as they dress them, change them, adapt them, fly around with well with them. We also, as adults, have to start getting comfortable with the same concept. In this age of transformation, we're all going to have to get more acquainted with our avatars. Technologies like VR 
and the Oculus Quest, for example, give us clues as to how far this may go. While today VR is teaching us to play games in different ways, it's also giving us a different way to play the same games we used to play. I've been playing a lot of virtual table tennis and golf with colleagues in the US using Quest. It's actually kind of amazing. We walk around, we talk. It's a bit like being on a real golf course. Of course, we're slightly awkward avatars, and maybe my golf is actually slightly better in the uh, virtual world. But many of the same nice touches of being able to wander around playing a game with friends feel as true in VR as they may have felt in the real world. And they're certainly far more connected and more intimate than the two-dimensional world of Zoom. But you have to get over the fact that you are there as an avatar, because that's the only way that you can be there. The connection is kind of weird and kind of surprising and for some a little unsettling. But I think if you go and explore that world, you gradually become habituated to the idea that you could have an extensible self, something that does more than the physical version of you can actually do. And there's plenty of productivity tools in there as well. For example, you can have a setup with multiple huge monitors that have loads of data on that you can reference from side to side, something you couldn't do in a physical space but can do very easily once you go into a virtual space. You can create virtual rooms with whiteboards, you can have proper meetings with people, and you can actually write on the whiteboards and be seen writing on it. Currently, the experiences are quite crude, but you can imagine that technology is only going to get better and better, and we're going to become more and more comfortable with that. In fact, if you look at what Apple are doing, who are also rumoured to be bringing out a VR headset soon, I suspect the emoji are just the training wheels for all of us to get comfortable with the idea of avatars. They may seem goofy and a bit silly for us at the moment, but gradually those things will come to represent ourselves, in other words. All things need a period of normalisation. I'm old enough to remember early mobile phones and when they first started. And when they first came out, people were ridiculed for having a mobile phone. Why would you need to be on a phone on the street? It's ridiculous. Why do you need a phone in the car? It seemed nonsensical that people would need to be connected on a phone the whole time. And that was, of course, when they were used as phones. Who now uses a phone as a phone? They're just computers that we happen to carry with us and are called a phone. I grew up in a time when a phone was something that was attached to a wall and when it rang, you answered it. I recently saw a debate blowing up on Twitter about the fact that if you're a person of a certain age... Answering a phone call is something you wouldn't do unless you knew who it was from. And in fact, calling somebody is considered rude unless you've told them you're going to call them beforehand. They would talk about the fact that old people, i.e. anyone over the age of 40, were terribly rude because they were trying to call them on the phone unannounced. Something that you or I may think is quite normal has now become an odd thing to do. You can actually cause offence. So in the same way that our relationship with phones has changed over the last 20, 25 years, and again over the last 5 or 10 years, imagine that our concepts around VR and around avatars are going to change just as much. In fact, in some ways faster. And we're going to have a level of comfort and a level of understanding of existing in virtual and other worlds that we can't quite imagine yet, but there are clues for in all the games our kids are currently playing. So if you haven't spent time finessing your avatar or your Memoji, maybe now while you're listening to this, it's maybe a time to go into the phone settings, have a little look, have a little play and get yourself ready for the future. Now, the good thing is not all transformation is as radical or as scary as some of the things I've just talked about. Some is just evolutionary, but it's as important. Sometimes it's just about realising that we can take advantage of new formats to deliver the same content, but in better ways. 
For example, one of the things we've been working on in the States is an app called Obi. Obi is a fascinating case study. There's a doctor, Amos Grunbaum. He's a very famous super doctor in New York. I mean, he's a professor of obstetrics and gynecology. He built a very successful website packed with information around reproductive health, loads of scientific data, and it's seen as one of the most credible sources around the world if you are trying to get pregnant. The problem is there's lots of it, and it really put the onus on the viewer and the readers to come there and navigate through it and find answers to their questions. And whilst it was all there, it was not very user-friendly. So all this great content was living in a very archaic format, what was required was us to just bring that into a modern environment, modern format, and transform his business along the way. So what we've been working on and what we've now launched in the App Store is we've taken that data, we've taken their medical expertise and combined it with our technical expertise. We built an app version of the same content, but it now marries that with health data, your life stage, environmental factors, and we can create custom journeys for people and make it available to them so they can navigate their own journey, not just a generic journey that exists when you have a publishing concept, a passive website. It's just an example of taking the technologies around us, seeing how we can use them in different ways, and transforming businesses to create new opportunities, regardless of what the category might be. What I'd like to do, as I say goodbye to you, enjoy the rest of the content at this conference, is to urge you all to stay open-minded, to try things you don't like, or even don't understand. Don't imagine you have to act on all of them, but above all, do enjoy trying. I'll see you all in virtuality or on an Oculus Quest sometime soon. You're listening to Stay Engaged from IAB UK. Thank you for tuning in to this offstage audio session and thanks to our partners at Quantcast. If you've enjoyed this session, please share it and tag at IAB UK on Twitter or Instagram. Subscribe wherever you're listening to hear the rest of the Stay Engaged sessions and for the regular IAB UK podcast. In tomorrow's Stay Engaged offstage session, TUI's group brand and content director, Toby Horry, looks back on his career in marketing and how the last 18 months have upended the travel industries. Coming up on Stay Engaged. Stay Engaged.